0: Thank you for all being here. These are important but uncharted waters. Uh, Never before in my lifetime has the club summer season really looked so dismal. We hadn't seen anyone or an association really looking at the numerous large and small seasonal clubs. It's all about the clubs that are actually closed now that we're talking about. But what about all the summer clubs in New England, Michigan, North Carolina, Colorado, Montana, and those hardest hit in New York and Washington states? All over the country, in fact. I mean, really... No one is really sure where or how we can limit the damage. I have asked for the figures from the USPTA of like seasonal pros, but really we don't have a breakdown of how many of us go up and down the country each year. You know, SBW Associates, BeyondTheBaselines.com, we specialize in consulting and managing clubs and helping boards of governors and club managers. And normally a question is, uh, how do I incentivize a 1099 contractor? To run a tournament, Ed, we don't actually hear this question. How am I going to pay my 1099 contractor this year? Just to give you a background on the call today, about 50% of the of the uh, participants are directors of tennis looking at the summer cup upcoming. 25% of you on the call are club managers or club administrators or boards, uh, governors on the board looking for answers as well. 15% of you are basically seasonal instructors going back and forth, up and down for the season. And then we have some suppliers on the call as well, some shop owners and suppliers. There are bigger questions for all of us out there for the uh, uh, in the industry as a whole, but how is your club going to navigate the nitty-gritty? We're all in this together, um, but we we are thinking here at Beyond the Baselines is that each club is going to have a slightly different reaction and strategy due to its makeup, its membership, its ownership, whether it's owned by the, the members or a corporation, its club manager, its location in the USA, and its employees or team of contractors. Actually, opening or closing the club could be up to the municipalities, um, the counties, or the states in our federalist system. We are. Uh, if you have any food and beverage at your club, that's also going to have a, 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 a say in opening and closing of the club. I know we have a lot of yacht clubs on the call right now, and. Uh, and regattas don't allow for social distancing, so we're already seeing yacht clubs closing, uh, a possibility of closing and canceling regattas. So with that said, the big question is to open or not to open, and welcome to the call.
1: Little bit hamstrung uh, with respect to being able to make those decisions on staffing, if we're not sure what kind of league play we're gonna be able to offer.
0: Okay, okay, well, uh, I actually think the schools are a major player in this part. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Massachusetts, where I'm watching carefully, they are looking at possibly laying the schools out, just doing pass-fail online. That means our May, if, if God willing, May is, is, is a little easier to, on the corona, our May might be busier. There might be a silver lining there.
2: Um, but <laughs> sure. I doubt it.
0: I doubt it too, but you never know. Um, it's going to be different around the country, I think. Uh, th- that being said, um, here's another thing that we're noticing. And I know many of you are out in Colorado, but there's a lot of destination clubs. I'm, g- I'm talking about clubs on islands, clubs up in Maine, clubs up in the Upper Peninsula. Municipalities don't want people who who tra- are traveling from say Chicago or Detroit, which is heavily affected or New York uh, into those municipalities. So those clubs might suffer and they might not have all their membership there. So I was actually thinking about, should the clubs open up to locals for the summer? Has anyone thought about that? Because if, you're, if, you're, if say you're on Nantucket and your regular membership's coming from New York, or if you're in, in Maine, and your regular ships, regular membership that is that destination membership from boston or maybe i i don't know colorado as well but maybe you're a club up in uh, aspen or vale for the summer and most of your people are coming from denver and they're not making it why not open up the courts and the facilities and the events to locals who because the municipal municipalities can actually close it down um you know stop people from coming and, and try to dissuade people from coming to the club um but yes, the schools are going to play a major role in this. If, you, if, if you're talking about communication and keeping the communication going with your members, what is everyone planning to do? And I'll just lead this off with one thing. I am emailing just a bit, not too much, because everyone's getting a lot of emails, but I'm, I'm keeping it family and friendly. And I'm not trying to be a health expert, because I am not. Um... And then I'm actually making personal calls to important members. I'm having my junior director call families to update them on that first series. And then I've got um, ideas on basically keeping a momentum towards your opening day. How about right now, we've got time off, how about building our database? And here's the first thing I've I've done is I've updated my so my text database, if I update that, I can text everybody or anybody in my club, and I do it through Google Voice. If anyone wants any help with that, Google Voice is a great way. I have my entire club on Google Voice, all their cell phones by name, by number. So if if I do things like a Sunday doubles, I'll say I have four courts, I, I text twenty eight people, all about the same ability, and I say first sixteen are in, and I'm or a first fifteen, I'll be the sixteenth player for directors doubles. But I'm doing the same thing in communicating to my members now. How's everybody doing? How's the family? Texting is a great way. Just a simple text, but you've got to have that text database in Google Voice. So if anyone wants any advice on that, help on that, I'm here. But Google Voice is a great tool right now. Um, And you've got all the time in the world to update it. So I just updated ours from last year. I just updated my constant contact with the new members from this year. These are things we could be doing right now to prepare for opening day, whenever that may be. Anybody else have any ideas? Sip of
3: coffee. Hey Ed, it's Carol McLennan. I'm at a country club in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and our GM has charged us all with a weekly, um, somehow, whether it's uh, like a newsletter article, um, I actually did a little video that will go out weekly to our members because keeping members engaged right now is going to be huge. We're going to lose them. And um, the more we can stay in touch and keep them engaged, I think, who knows when we'll open, if we'll open. I mean, our opening day is scheduled for May 2nd. I'm not very optimistic. Our First lady Spring League is April 21st. I don't think any of those are going to happen. But Keeping them engaged, if and when this all comes about and we're back on the courts, is really vital right now. Just my opinion.
0: Yes, and that's why I think your soft opening—if you can keep keep a soft opening in mind and an event that's free, keep that maybe in your weekly email saying you know wherever it may be, we're going to have this kind of opening whenever it may be. Um, Down here, uh, I'm a member of a club here, and the GM has been emailing. Every week about takeaways because you know if your club has food and beverage, they can still do takeouts. So he's actually set up a retail section of the club that has bounty and toilet paper, which is unbelievable. But he's getting people constantly talking about his club or their the club. Anything that keeps the contact, remember you want that momentum to hit the minute you start. You don't want to have to be backpedaling when you open. You want to be booming forward.
2: Um, any other ideas on
0: communications? The, the other thing you can do is you can have your staff write to members, you know, that's kind of fun, because it's always coming from us, isn't it? The directors, the club managers, you can have the staff, you can have your junior director, you can have your new assistant pro introduce him or herself. That 's a great weekly you know have uh, have your new assistant write to your membership saying i 'm really excited to be here Person, make it personal, make it familial that will keep the momentum. Any other ideas on communications?
4: Uh, hi, Ed Rick Fay from uh, Madison, Connecticut. Um, yeah, one of the things that um, we're about to launch is to put out a um, a letter to our junior program, and um, you know we're just doing simple things like having them do a little homework, having them read Friends at Core, um, having some racket skills test, um, mm-hmm. you know, making sure they're doing their dynamic warmups, um, you know, just simple things to keep them in
0: decent shape and just keep them thinking about tennis. That's fantastic. Great idea. Homework. We're all at home. It's <laughs> actually active, right? It's going to be hard. I know I've put on a few pounds sitting around the computer screen. Um, yeah, uh, junior juniors, you know, they're going to be the ones who are going to be the most, um, how can I say it, ready to play. You know, they're, they're not going to have to deal with a fallout financially. They just want a regular summer. So your junior program – could really be your key to getting that momentum started, because right now it's at zero. So juniors is a great way to do that. Any other ideas? Communication is going to be key. Okay, let's move on to, let's move on to um, communicating with your staff. Because morale is gonna be uh difficult. So is anyone changing their contract or changing team coverage? All I'm gonna say is I'm prepared that I might have a staff no-show. <laughs> you don't know what's gonna happen in terms of people's pocketbooks, and you might have a situation where you're gonna have to ask staff to do double duty because they might be just an assistant pro just wanting to teach, but I might have to have them on the desk a lot. I might have to have them doing my lunch with the kids, almost quote unquote babysitting because staff might be short this year. We might not have a full staff. People may not travel. Are you going to pay their expenses this year? I normally pay my traveling pros, their expenses to the club. I hope I can do that this year, but maybe if you don't do that, maybe offer that to them this year because everyone's in a tough bind right now, if you can afford it. Any other ideas on communicating with staff?
3: Hey, Ed. Yep. Um, I know I can't be the only one uh, on this boat. I think a lot of college students, um, especially if they're international, have left home. Um, so I'm I'm down my staff, on my staff because of that. So I'm now having to look for, uh, for someone else. But I can't imagine that I'm the only person that had that happen.
0: No, I'm sure. Um, you yeah. know, anybody else in that boat? That was Jennifer Gellhouse. She's the new director of tennis at East Chapel. Anybody else have that? I mean college kids are in a tough spot right now.
3: Yeah, because most campuses have closed.
0: Right. Right.
5: You're playing Agora. All right.
0: Um so Okay, so A we got we might have staff issues. All right. Try to I mean it's really hard right now, but try to Maintain your staff through communicating with them, just like the membership. Um, the other thing that we can do is we've got clubs that have big boards. And I was thinking of pre- putting in together an ad hoc committee of maybe four board members, including definitely the treasurer, definitely the chair, but maybe two, or two maybe the junior chair, two or three who understand the dynamics of the assistant pros. A lot of board members don't get that traveling assistant pro mentality and trying to figure out how I can get the club to help me and help them get there or actually find a new staff member. But this ad hoc committee, I think is going to be an important thing. Remember boards at clubs are big golf clubs, especially in golf is number one. It's the biggest revenue generator. So tennis is a poor second cousin, but if you can get an ad hoc committee to just focus on tennis, we can look at the staff contracts, either shortening them, maintaining them, um, and of course, you've got to have club approval, um, unless you're an S-corp within the club doing your business outside of the club's employment. That's my situation, but I'm still going to get an ad hoc committee together on the, from the board of my club. Um, so I think trying to get maybe three or four board members to go through and help, and maybe have them contact your staff to say they're behind the staff member being there and that they hope that they can make it. That might help. Because it, when it's all about the director, sometimes staff members are a little nervous that the director's maybe not giving them the full story. Communication is important with your staff right now. When you're talking to them, you've got to match the motivations between the survival, your survival as a club and a director, and the profit and loss and helping them out. So be ready to answer questions about fund me, getting a loan, if they're, if they're an LLC, if they're if your assistant or your director is an S Corp, uh, I, I, I highly advise you to go to the New York Times today. There's an article and I, I'm happy to send the link, I just read it, about how and where you can get paid for leave for 12 weeks, uh, S Corp and LLC funding through your state Um, Bridge loans, if you're a gig, and this is important, Uber drivers, I don't know if you saw that, but Uber and Lyft drivers are what they call gig employees. There's help for them too. That's in the New York Times article. Came out last night because of this uh, stimulus bill. Um, But be prepared to help your staff with all those questions. Anyone else have any ideas on those, those, those issues? I found another one, WeFunder, that's a big one. I didn't know about that, GoFundMe and WeFunder. Cabbage, PayPal does loans. Um, There's a bunch out there. Okay, anybody talking with, this is final final call for communication, anybody? All right. So now we're gonna get to the bigger issues um, facing the summer on-court and off-court revenue split. Does everyone look at this? Um, this is more for the managers and the board governors, but your cross-department revenues like for example do we we going to really summer's probably going to be down. So we're going to really have to focus on keeping people on the property. So we as directors of tennis might say, "Hey, we want our ladies, no. I think someone talked okay, about it earlier. But we want our ladies leagues teams to have their practice at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., well, that really doesn't help your food and beverage department, does it? So if you want that member to stay on the property, and this is for managers and directors to liaise, do your ladies' teams later in the day so they may be able to follow over to the terrace for lunch. Don't do it at 8 a.m., that doesn't help the club at all. The ladies come 8 to 9.30, boom, they're gone. They come at 10.30 to 12, ooh, it's lunchtime for lunch, helps the club. All right, think about your times of your clinics. The, the, the cross-fertilization of club departments this year is going to be key to a successful summer. Okay, talk to your director. If you're at a yacht club, directors of tennis and yachting, they got to be talking so that every kid can go to each activity. Hopefully via through the clubhouse to stop at the, at the, at the uh, food shack. All right. Move the leagues, and I think someone said it was from Colorado, got to move the leagues back further in the summer. I hope we can do that. Maybe it's going to have to go into the September season, but at least you keep your leagues going. Um, any other ideas on this? Your revenue split, your revenue split on and off court is going to be really important in terms, of, um, in terms of socials. I mean, who knows what the social distancing is going to be? So can you have a social after tennis? Okay. I know we've all seen it, but if you're playing tennis right now, if, if the pro's teaching what they're doing in Florida, I don't know if everyone else is doing it, but up north, you're probably not teaching because it's outside, but all the pros are having to teach up to pick up the balls. So the pro, the lesson taker can't touch the balls. The only person touching the balls is the pro. Okay. Ball machines can't work because the virus stays on the ball, apparently up to three hours. I've read that in several places. I'm not sure that's truth. If you're playing a match, you have six balls and one player only touches pen twos. The other player only touches pen fours. That's right now. That's what they're doing down here. If it's doubles, it's harder. I'd have 12 balls. Um, but anybody else doing social distancing on the court or in socials right now at the clubs, that I'd like to hear about. I feel like Ferris Bueller's, anyone, anyone, anyone who's out there?
1: <laughs> yeah, Ed, we're uh, we're trying to practice social distancing. The problem that we're finding at our club is – that people that haven't seen each other in a while have a tendency to want to, they're using the term congregate, whether it's four players on one court talking to the other four players on the other court on a changeover. Now it constitutes eight people at close proximity. And you try to kind of advise against that, but it seems like people are wanting to do what they want to do. And uh, it's it's putting the clubs in that precarious liability situation um, if you don't take a pretty aggressive stance toward that, it seems like you're, you know, again, putting yourself in a in a pretty tricky spot there.
0: Yeah, who is that? Who's just talking right there?
1: This is, this is Andy Zoden from Denver. Hi, Andy. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. good. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. I was thinking about that at my club because we have banks of two courts. And the problem is, is we all they all walk across the, the court closer to the club. We have eight around, right, and banks of two. So everyone walks across one court to get to the outer court in four different instances. And there's always chit chat. So we're gonna have to dissuade that. And those are kind of, I guess, could be your communication emails too. You know, constantly instead of being a health expert, be a uh, an expert in non-congregation. <laughs> right. Easy, right? have you have you done anything with the balls? Are you like lysoling the balls anything like I've heard people lysol balls I don't know, but have you have you tried anything like that
1: We're lysoling everything we haven't done the balls yet, and uh we're trying to figure out i I advise that they play with a golf glove on their non playing hand but then there was some you know arguments as to why that might not make any difference because if something gets on the golf glove, why would that be any different than getting on your hand and so I think we're all trying to figure out what are the best health measures. I had a guy come out and wear a, uh, uh, a a latex glove, and when he got finished playing, and he took it off, it was almost like a water balloon exploding. So that kind of grossed everybody out. Um, yeah, so I, I don't. We're experimenting with different things, but unfortunately, everything seems to have an argument against why that helps or makes any difference. Okay. okay. Well,
0: thanks for that. Um Ed, Ed, it's
3: Carol McLennan again. We yeah. actually had um we we have had a couple of um just phone call meetings. I'm actually going to set a Zoom call up with our with our um committee, our tennis committee. But one suggestion that I think we're going to find everywhere is to have Purell sanitizers on every court. Um you know, as you do a changeover, you, you just Wipe your hands. We're totally closed. They just closed our golf course. They were letting people walk on the golf course last week. That's not happened. Um, The governor in New Jersey said that all the fields are closed. Um, I've had people tell me they went to play. uh, Gal went to play with her son the other day and the courts were actually padlocked. So there's not a lot of tennis going on. you know, based on our mandates in New Jersey. But I think the Purell on the court is kind of a brilliant idea. So probably my first thing to go to the GM with.
0: Yep. Uh, I just want to point everyone's uh, attention to the, I, I, I hope you can all see the Zoom group chat. Um, people are texting in over there, which is fantastic. And uh, it's, it's you're right. And people are coming in with instructional videos as communication um and and uh, fun training videos seem to be a good thing which i was thinking of starting a youtube channel for my club um that was an idea that i just forgot to write down but yeah videos are fantastic and even videos just to say hi right and this time in, uh, in this era just to stay connected um i love this one from philip thank you ask members to share photos from the home instructional videos maybe somehow, some of the dorm videos like cooking recipes <laughs> members want to feel connected and that's the thing we always see them as just tennis players but right now they're cooking for their family unfreezing food that's been there for a week you know have some fun with that i guess as i said initially keep it familial it's a we're all on this together we're like a big family um i love that one thanks philip there's more down there, folks. Um, so have a look on the right-hand side of your screen. Here, Here's another thing. Um, I, I thought about this, too. You know how we have junior groups? Well, we're not going to be allowed, and uh, I think that was Andy talking about having big groups on the court. So, yes, it might not be as profitable, but it keeps everyone in the, at the club at, at some point during the day, but we might have to like break out our groups. So if I have a junior clinic at our club, it's called team Sipacan, 16 or 20 kids. We have 180 kids a day. Now I, I'm going to have to put 180 kids across maybe 12 hours. Right? So I might do that in groups of four And then put them on the outside court so they don't don't accumulate or coagulate or close to each other, but keep those kids still coming, but in groups of four. So you're going to actually have to, you know, as I said, maybe you're going to have to get your desk staff that do play tennis to help with the kids who are, you know, six to eight years old. Um, Again, it's a bit of a liability, but think about that. How are you going to get those kids in different areas? of the club and in small groups. Again, it puts more staff on the courts, which is expensive, but at least it keeps your momentum going. Um, In terms of flexible programming, I'm sure most of you, and this this is right along the same line, I'm sure that most of you have pre-signups. I mean, when you have a big junior program, you basically have to do that to know what your manpower has to be each day Mm -hmm. and each week but what about offering drop-ins this year? Because we don't know, especially that first session, that first week, we don't know when we're going to be able to open, what day it's actually going to be. So what I've done is I've said session one is just drop-in. We're going to – probably schools will still be in in my situation, so we'll have some of the kids from private school out. I don't know. We're going to do a drop-in from 3 to 7 p.m. in the afternoons. We're going to keep them separated on four courts. I know it's a pain in the neck, but maybe not being so structured this year might be a might be a a, a necessity. Anyone have any ideas on
6: that? Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm checking my notes over here on the right. But yeah, I think that uh here we go we've staggered play times and left court assignments at entrance with members to report directly to their courts that's a great idea and and you can do the same thing with junior programs you can actually have a big chalkboard at the front and they can follow a map kind of like going to a big banquet dinner <laughs> court 1 table 5 but um yeah i think what we're going to do is do drop ins for the first couple weeks of the juniors uh All right, has anyone heard about technical rackets? Because I've heard that Babylon no pure drives this summer. Has anyone else heard that? No pure arrows. Supply chain from China. Anyhow, if you have heard any updates on supply chains, let me know. But I know that both Wilson and, and Babolat, which is what I carry, they're basically saying to me, no technical rackets this summer. Okay, yeah. So your shop sales are back down to, your, your, your profit on rackets as a club, if you own the shop, or as a director, if you own the shop, you're gonna be severely curtailed this summer. Balls are another thing. They all come from China. Babolats come from Vietnam, all right? So I've hedged my bets. This is my, my I guess my secret number two for you. Hedge your bets. <laughs> balls from Penn, I've ordered balls from Wilson, and my, my Babylotch is coming tomorrow, and I'm going to have to store it in my garage and take it up in my truck, all right, order your balls, I know logo balls, they're done, they were uh, up to five months delay, so if you didn't order back in January, no logo balls this summer, um, but yeah, hedge your bets on the balls, wherever you can get balls, get them in, store them, Where are last year's balls? Mine, unfortunately, sit in a shed, so I'm hoping it wasn't too cold up there. But um, anybody else hear anything about balls? Remember, if we don't have balls, we can't teach. Major problem. All right. Um, Clothing. All right. Now, I know – A couple of my reps were going to be on here, but I don't know if you are. I don't see anybody, but uh, Donna from Sophie Bella, they're on hold. Okay. She was going to come on the call today. So even if you have, like, if you're at a yacht club and you have to do your burgee, or if you're at uh, a club that has a lot of logo claws, we do. Those are all going to be delayed this year. So a lot of times if you're shipping from Sophie Bella to an embroiderer and the embroiderer to you, that's going to be late. You haven't figured that out already. Okay. So I'm going to give you my biggest secret on this, especially for the juniors in order to avoid holding inventory, which is going to be really important this year. Do, and it's nice in this time and era call it care packages. So what I do every, every year is I do a Google form to my juniors and I, cause we're an all white club. White shoes, white hat, white socks, really hard to find. White shorts for little kids, right? So what I do is I do a Google form. Hey, moms. Hey, dads. What does little Joey, what does little Nina need this year? Tick right here. We'll have the care package in a nice club bag ready for you on June 15th or whatever day you're going to open this year. It's going to be harder to do, but it allows you not to carry as much inventory, especially for juniors. They've already got the shoes. They've already got the shorts you don't have to hope they're going to buy care packages i do a I do a, a fun team shirt junior shirt every year with a little logo um, fun you know this year's our summer of sportsmanship, so we're doing summer of sportsmanship down the sleeve across the back and that will be in the care package now of course i'll still have some for sale, but if eighty percent if I know eighty percent of the kids I've already pre-ordered, I know that money's coming in, and I only have to order 20% of what I would normally have to hope that they're gonna buy. Especially with shoes, shoes are expensive. I'm carrying K-Swiss this year. Not a huge margin on K-Swiss, sorry K-Swiss, but uh, if you can pre-order and know what you, what those moms and dads need for their kids, it's a no-brainer, care packages. Anybody else have any ideas on inventory and clothing? Okay, I'm looking over on my right-hand side. No, nothing new. Okay, so the other thing is, in the shop, I'm gonna gonna carry a lot that doesn't have returns. Tumblers, wallets, belts, dog leashes. Not so much ladies' blouses, tops, skirts, because they get returns. And this year, we're not gonna sell enough to cover the percentage of returns, and that's not—it's going to hurt us. So I'm going to actually cu- carry a lot more non-returnable things in the shop. So the shop will still look kind of full, but it's not going to be as much clothing. It's going to be more non-returnables, fast-moving consumer goods. All right. So if you have the opportunity, I just put my Tumblr order in. Do tumblers. I'm going to do all kinds of little items that people don't want to bring back. There's a makeup stain on the top. I have to take it back. If there's dust on a tumbler, people can wash that. Any ideas on that?
3: How about implementing a no-return policy?
0: Oh, well, you could. Your members aren't going to like you for that. What if it doesn't fit? Who's that, Jennifer?
3: Yeah, well, just for, you know, the
0: virus. During the virus? Yeah. That's actually a good point. You could actually carry the virus on the return, right? I would think so. Yeah. Be nice to your members, Jen. It's your first year.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not selling clothes. I'm just thinking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good point. You could do do, uh, a no return policy, I guess, under the circumstances. Um, I'm not sure I would do that, but I think you could get away with it. Um, what I've also done, and I don't know if Don is on the call or if, if Greengrass is on the call, but I'm going to, I've started, I'm moving my delivery dates back. Okay. I usually have delivery May 10th, May 15th. I'm going to move that back to June 15th. It just helps cash flow. Do it now, let your suppliers know because it helps your cash flow. If you're net 30 or net 60, you're not going to have to pay in July. You can pay in August, hopefully when things are a little better. But why have stuff showing up early, having those bills show up early and you're still closed? God forbid, right? Here's another thing I've heard in the industry. A lot of directors who own the shops are going to their clubs asking for a loan for the year. So for example, you, uh, you, take a, you have a $40,000 worth of inventory across rackets, balls, clothes, and you sell 20,000 of it by the end of the summer. These, some of the directors I've heard are negotiating with their clubs to give them $20,000 to cover them over the, over the winter to cover their inventory so they get a chance to sell it the next following year. Has anyone else heard of that? What about dating? What about what?
5: Dating, instead of, you know, in other words, you add, go back to the vendors and ask them for incremental dating due to the uh, oh. coronavirus. You know, I'm sure they would you know, do like Back to school dating that they offer for the, re, uh, the mass market retailers. Everybody has dating or Christmas dating. Yep. Um, do the vendors offer uh, currently because of the uh, coronavirus dating programs? I bet you they do.
0: I haven't heard they They haven't offered that to me, but I haven't asked.
5: What if we go back as a group as far as all the tennis pros in the country to these vendors and say, Hey, as a group, we order a lot from you. Mm-hmm. We'd like some extra dating for our group. Say the USPTA, all the members go or that they in turn have that conversation with the vendors that all the pros use. They have you more what, leverage.
0: That's a fantastic idea. And I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to email John Embry with that. Cause that's something to yeah, really get involved. Right.
5: Well, Clubcorp, club Corp. could go, I used to work for them, they could go yep. to the vendors and say, we have 300 outlets, we want dating for all our stores. Yep. And then it could pound on the vendors, because you know, you're, if you're a little ticket, like just a club, you have no clout. Whereas no, no. if everybody gets together, you have a lot more leverage. And putting back the shipments on these, the clothing for the shops, I would think that you'd be last in line to get your goods and you'll probably wind up getting nothing. Because it'll go to the big guys first.
0: Who is that? Who's talking, by the way? I'm sorry. Bob Briarly. Hi, Bob. Florida. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. It, unfortunately, I can't tell who's talking. It doesn't come up on my screen. I don't know if it does. I used to work,
5: this is my background. I used to work for Gillette. You know, and the big guys have the clout, they get, they get the deals. Yep. So the more you can group people together with more buying clout, the better offerings you're going to get.
0: All right. So I, I'm, I'm actually going to follow up with you, Bob, on that. And uh, um, maybe we'll, we'll write a letter to uh, the USPTA and maybe Club Corp. I don't, I don't know anyone at maybe Club Maybe
5: the USPTA could get involved in this, too, because they're, you know, they're our national organization and they say, hey, our members are struggling. What can our vendors offer you, know, what can you offer our members to help them out through this difficult time? Right. Right. The higher up you get involved in this, the better the deal you're going to cut.
0: So in inventory, there's lots of options. Um, And you know that I don't know about other people and clubs, But the shop, everyone tells me, you know, they always say the shop is not profitable. If you're selling a lot of rackets and doing a lot of stringing, the shop is profitable, okay? Um, And I know a lot of clubs take over the shop because it's profitable. So this year's inventory and this year's ordering is definitely going to be different. Don't overorder. Let's talk to the, the suppliers. Thank you, Bob, for that. Head your bets on the balls. Um, you know, chances are you're not going to have rackets, technical rackets
5: to sell. Um, to tear down your inventory, you know, as the clubs close, because we're closed, we're shut down till May 1st, the city of Largo. Yep. Uh, what, if you have heavy inventory going into this time, you might want to get people in the club. You might want to have a shop sale going into this time frame If you're looking at new goods. And you want to clear out your inventory. Number 1, it'll get people in the club and number 2, you'll be able to pare down your inventory.
0: I was that's a good point. I you know and I didn't mention it. I am going to do I always do my opening camp. I have an adult camp first first shoulder usually in the shoulder season because I don't want to displace regular games on the on the mornings, but I have an adult camp for the whole first week in the June usually. Push that back a couple of weeks. And I always offer 15%. Well, this year I'm going to offer 30% on all. I'm not going to put my, I don't have my, I'm not going to put my new stuff out. 30% off all the inventory I have and for every camper. So when I get some of that back, because I bump up the price of the camp, maybe $5. But then I say 30% off on stringing, 30% off on all clothes offered. And it's actually for every camper. And people join, people, you know, people join the camp just to get the discount. So I'm going to go to 30%. I, I'm normally at 50%. i am going to go to 30 so I can get rid of some of my inventory from last year. Uh, and you
5: can also bet on the returns as far as your clothing goes. If per, uh, someone during this time buys the clothes and you have to say a sale, uh, say, uh, put it under the auspices of this is a final sale because of the virus and all of the problems associated with it we'll give you an extra discount but it's a no return policy. No return. So that has, that covers your your back on as far as alienating the members.
0: Yeah. I think you're right and Jen Jen brought that up and she's probably right. Anybody else have any ideas on shop or stringing or carrying inventory dealing with um members in off the court in this Era. All right. Uh, Finally, I'm just going to open up the floor. Does anyone have a burning question? There's there's 53 wonderful professionals, administrators, board governors here. Good place to uh, ask um, a question. Anybody have some burning questions? Up. Are people restringing rackets safely at this time? That's a good question. I I mean, if it were me, I would um, I'd still be stringing. No one knows how long the virus lasts on a racket, but I'd wipe the racket down with gloves before I started.
1: Well, would it be like plastic or metal Ed, up to
0: two three days? Is that what they're saying? I, is that John Flaherty? It is. <laughs> Seventeen and hours. How many? Seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, yeah, don't touch the grip.
1: But what about uh, the pro- pros wearing gloves, uh, protective gloves? You know, we uh, talked.
0: Someone gloves. talked, uh, maybe before you came on. Someone talked about that, and then they had a, they were using the gloves as a protocol, and then someone mentioned to them that the gloves can actually carry the virus longer. Who, who was it that talked about that? But. but
1: What I was going to say for their own protection though, you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, when they're,
0: when they're doing the strings.
1: Yes, exactly. It's like the the people who are delivering the food. Now you see everybody wearing the protective gloves. I'm wearing gloves in Publix. (laughs) Um, You're venturing out.
0: I've gone out once this week. It's uh, the cats love me. Anyhow. So stringing anyone else stringing safely. I, 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 you know,
7: I run a retail store in Westchester. I service okay. um, also a lot of people from Connecticut. Um, we've been discussing it at length. We're able to open. We will go on a 48 hour turnaround policy instead of our ten, standard 10. Um, we're going to bag every racket that comes in, leave it mm-hmm. sitting for 24 hours before we'll let a stringer touch it.
0: Okay. Who's that, by the way, talking?
7: Uh, I'm Karen from Sport Tech and Tennis Professionals. In, um, we're in Port Chester in Rybrook, New York.
6: Okay.
0: Wow, that's like epicenter right there. New Rochelle right nearby. Uh,
7: that's exactly where I live. And yes, it is the epicenter. Um, we made a choice. We service two um, tennis facilities that closed at the front end. Um, our store is in a very popular shopping mall where Everybody is closed except for the food. Okay. And I also stock a number of country clubs um, in our area, and nobody has a feel for when they're going to be open. It's a little scary.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to come, as I said at the beginning of the, uh, my introduction, I think it's going to come down to where you are in the country and, and what your municipality, county, and state decide to do. There's no, we're not the United States of America saying we're going to open here, we're going to open there. It's going to come down to where you are in the country is is, is the epicenter, so it might be a little longer.
7: But the good news is we do find people looking for courts to play. Right.
0: Well, that's good. That's good news. Thank you, Karen. Um. Any other, any other protective issues? Stringing is a good one teach with gloves on and, and only having the instructor touch the balls. Don't, someone just said, don't, don't lend no demo rackets. Smart. I mean, obviously no demo rackets, right? Bagging the rackets for 24 hours. Smart. If you're stringing it. Um. You know, no-brainers having sanitizer on every front desk, wiping that front desk down every, every 20 minutes. I know bigger shops, and I've been in here in Florida, bigger shops are saying you can only have two people in the shop at one time. Maybe we're going to have to do something like that in our tennis shop. Any other burning questions? I'm looking over here on the right-hand side. Is there anything I didn't cover
2: hey Ed this is Kevin McCarthy the tennis director for the city of Coral Springs in Florida Hey Kevin yeah I got a question for you I don't know if you have any information on this yet but I'm an independent contractor mm-hmm. uh, and we're shut down for indefinitely you know at least till May 11th right now
6: mm-hmm.
2: um, but I have seven or eight pros that are subcontractors to me that work. Right. I'm trying to understand the new package, whether or not they're gonna be, they can't collect unemployment because they're not employees. Right. But I know with this small business uh, application, you can take out a loan. And then what I'm hearing a little bit about it is that it's gonna be a forgiven loan. As long as you use it for your employees, although they're technically not employees, I'm trying to figure out if I can, Qualify for this? You have any knowledge of that at all? Well,
0: I think each state. Uh, okay, so I, I did the same thing. I, I'm an independent contractor. I'm, uh, are you an S sub S corp or are you a LLC? S corp. Yes, yeah, sub S corp is a is a is a full corporation. And do you, you have one or two employees, or how many employees do you have? I
2: don't have any employees, okay. All I just, have, just is guys, that are what, is a, well. Employee. You're an employee. You're an employee. No, I'm an independent contractor. Yeah, but if you're an S-corp, don't, aren't you an employee? Like, don't, I'm my I, own employee, yeah. I mean, but. Yeah, you payroll yourself. Right, yeah. yeah. I, They're all 1099s. Yeah,
0: so here, here's <laughs> – so I tried to do this through Florida, through the Small Business Association. They, they do bridge, bridge loans. Right. And if you go there – and it hasn't crashed because it kept crashing on me. But if you go there, it says for – and fortunately, I have three employees. Not fortunately because I have to carry workers' comp, which is a pain in the neck. But I have three employees as an S-corp. They're saying between two and 500, you can do something. If you're just one, I don't know. But part time. What well, this, about well, classifying yeah. yourself as a gig worker? Well, here I'm going to read from the New York Times right now. Part time workers will be paid the amount they typically earn in a two week period. People who are self employed, including gig workers like Uber drivers and Instacart shoppers. Now, those are 1099, guys can also receive paid leave, but they must calculate their average daily income and claim it as a tax credit. That is straight from the New York Times. And I will send everybody this link. This link has everything from, if you're an S Corp, LLC, gig worker. Okay, I, I, it, it's kind of a, a maze because there's so many different classifications.
2: All right. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out. So, yes, yeah, and, and let me tell it. you,
0: have, have you gone, to, has anyone tried to go to the small business association yet?
2: I, I looked at it yeah. online. Yeah.
0: The application is pretty extensive. Um, you got to have all your books audited and then this year's books. And unfortunately I'm not that organized that my books aren't done for 2019 yet. So I'm going to have to, in this amount of, Free time. I'm gonna to have to do that, but you have to have your
6: audited Ed, book. Yes, Doug Cash. Hey, Doug. Good morning. Um, I got a couple answers for his question. Right. Uh, number one, number one is uh, yesterday Kentucky allowed independent contractors 1099 people to file for unemployment. So I believe most states will eventually do that. So that okay. opens up for all. All the 1099 people out there—that is a godsend, basically. The, the, yeah. the CARES Act that is now today being voted on by the House right. uh, has, has some words in there about contractors, but it's uh, sort of undefined at this point.
0: Yeah, it's uh,
6: a tax credit. Uh, well, it's, it's still undefined what that what they mean by contractors, and okay. so. Uh, I think at the end of today and tomorrow when uh, the legal people come out with what the meaning of all that stuff is, we'll know a lot more on whether or not uh, contractors can apply for some of those things. Uh, certainly the small business under 500, there's lots about in there. Um, and, uh, but you still have to pay the people. And then if it's seasonal work, I don't know how they're going to figure out what the person pays Cause they said, go back two weeks. Well, if they didn't work in two weeks, that's a whole nother issue. How are they going to
0: figure was, that out? That was my next response to the initial question or whoever it was is, is it says two week averages. Well, if you, if you're a seasonal worker right now, you probably aren't working or you're in your shoulder season. You're not making a lot. Spring break is kind of small. So how are they going to do that? Same, same holds true for Uber drivers. Uber's very quiet right now. So they're that, that's going to have to be looked at.
6: There there are some provisions that there is some provisions in there that if the last two weeks was not typical, they'll go back further than that.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to know. Anybody else? Thanks, Doug. Welcome. Um, what else? Anybody else have some burning questions? Are club managers charging monthly dues at year round clubs? That's a great one. This is, this is a point that actually just came up this morning in a different way through, a, my wife works for a museum and they were wondering if they're gonna have to maybe refund dues for this portion. Our club, I mean, there are some club managers on here and clubs discussing that.
6: And you want me to take this one too? Sure, um, go ahead, Doug. Probably not, 95% of the clubs in the United States are not billing dues when the club is closed. There are some member-owned clubs, and I got some clients that are, are billing dues, but the members make the choice themselves, basically, to say we're going to bill ourselves uh, because we want to pay the staff or whatever they have to do. All the big boys, Lifetime, Midtowns, Genesis, uh they're all none of them are billing members so it's usually individual clubs uh i know of a couple of clubs in ohio that are sending a letter out to their members say if you'd like us not to bill you we won't but if you will we'll pay your dues we'd like to have the money basically is what they're saying and so yeah. it's usually an indi- individual club decision and but 95 96 97 percent are not billing dues why the clubs are closed and, and here's
0: another, thing. I'm looking at like um, summer, like take uh, clubs on the vineyard, uh, Edgar Town Yacht Club where I work. Now they, they charge their dues in January. I'm wondering if those clubs that charge annual dues yearly back in January, like my club that they do, we, everyone's paid already for the year. I'm wondering if they're discussing giving a portion back if we're not open for the summer as a seasonal club.
6: Uh, I, think year round, I, think, I think I think you're going to find that's going to be according to who owns it. If it's member owned, they'll just make the decision what they want to do is member owned. Uh, if it's corporate owned, most of those people will refund, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you're right too. I think if it's member owned, they're probably going to keep it in the club. If it's, if it's corporate owned, they're probably going to refund portions. I think that's great. Um, I just had another great um, what about serving balls from basket and then touching hopper from j f What about serving balls from the basket and then touching hopper? well, if you 're talking about the student touching the ball that 's a so maybe you can 't teach serving during your lessons, right. I don't know. That's a good one.
5: Manage it. Manage it? Yeah, just manage to c- control the balls. You have the student next to you and yeah. bounce the ball at them one, one at a time and don't let them touch it, the basket or the ball to the exception of when they serve them.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, I actually you know what I did the other day was I, I actually tossed – we, went, we were talking about something, but I actually tossed the ball for the student. That's kind of fun. It's like a layup in basketball. Yeah. that's a, Actually, it's a good exercise. It is a really good exercise. It's a really good exercise.
6: Uh,
0: okay. Thank you, Carol. And then Carol's just written that they're not uh, charging fees till they reopened. Peg, Peg Connor put in here a link. Uh, I'll put this link from the New York Times in here too so you can all see it. Um right now, any other questions? Any other, I mean, we've got a good topics going on here. There's the New York Times. Whoop, that's too rich, sorry. Wanted to go everybody. Uh, any other? Anybody else got lots to talk about, lots of things happening. Um, I think to sum up, it's going to go differently across the country. If I were a director or a club manager at a destination club, I'd be nervous because I think those clubs are going to suffer the most because the municipalities aren't going to allow people into those destinations because they're free of Corona right now. They have one case. They're not going to let the people from Detroit travel up.
2: Hi, uh, Ed. This is uh, Andrew Green out in Colorado. Yeah, hey, we'll nice. About. How are you? Thanks for uh, having us. Uh, hey, I was just curious about pricing and what people's thoughts are on uh, reducing pricing or keeping it the same in order to generate you know, more revenue for yourself, uh, especially if, you know, there might be a, you know, recession in the future um, and people are a little worried about spending money. So um, that in terms of like private lessons and then obviously your uh, big group. uh, Yep.
0: Okay. Well, two things on that. Number one is I'm not raising prices this year. Okay. For clinics or lessons. Um, And number two Fortunately, I was just doing my contracts for my two i'd call them head assistant instructors junior instructors, and basically, what I'm doing is they're staying the same I'm cutting my percentage on those so that I can offer a lesson with those guys and more so even so more so with four juniors so like if if it was like say it was 30 bucks a junior last year for an hour and a half with an instructor. So that'd be 120 for the hour and a half. I'm bringing that down to 80. So it's gonna be 20 bucks a kid. So I'm dropping those clinic or group lessons down. Cause you know, in all honesty, that's, it's, it's cutting my revenues, but it's going to keep the membership happy. Their kids will be occupied a little cheaper. So that's where I can cut my profit a little bit. Does anyone understand what I'm talking about out there? That's a great yeah. question. You know, Olivia, everyone can see you. Come yeah, come on camera. Yeah. So, um, so I would keep that profit margin and make it smaller, okay? So you can do that. I'm not raising private lessons um, if you have the opportunity, you can you can knock down your margins a little bit on your one-on-one privates with your head pro or with your junior director, maybe cut your profit margin a little bit so that you can cut the lesson rate a little bit to the member. Anyone else have any thoughts on that? Anybody? Uh, this is a good. This is a good point. Okay, so is there Jeff's Jeff, thank you for this point. I'm going to bring this up, and this is kind of the reason I spearheaded this. Is there any way we can reach out to our industry professional organizations to start to think about their constituents and having a savings crisis account for when we are hit with an emergency, rather than relying on our government something to raise and bring to John Embry and Dan Santorum for future. This is if you. I don't know if you know Tim Bateson, but I talked to him about this on Facebook Live the other day. And he doesn't agree with that, but I'm wholeheartedly for that. We pay a membership, basically pays for our and I just want to say that I don't think we are unionized in a word enough. I don't know what the USPGA does. They're ahead of us on most things. They probably have a slush fund an emergency fund. We don't, and we should have one. And maybe if anything comes out of this pandemic, this is something we hit Dan Santorum and John Embry on. Does everyone, I mean, obviously we all agree on this. Maybe we don't. Tim doesn't think so, but I do. I'd much rather see my, my annual dues go up maybe 15 bucks a member. We'd actually have something as an insurance against situations like this. Um. Anybody else have any ideas? It is really hard. I mean, what about all those 1099ers? They have to cover their own insurance, right? You yep. cover insurance, they're an employee and that's a, that's an IRS uh, catch-all, right? Yep. Have a war chest. They should have a war chest for us. I mean, I'm, You know, it's interesting to see, and, I, and I, I'm a USPTA fan, but there hasn't been a big show from leadership there. And I don't see them going out to, as uh, I forget who said it, but going out to um, the, the big suppliers, Wilson and Head and Babylon saying, hey, give our guys a break. Have they done that yet?
5: I, no. Okay. I also think most most critically is the tennis ball issue, which you brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we have, we, we sign off on suppliers and we have a relationship and so does the USTA regarding tennis balls.
4: Right.
5: And it's, it, it, my concern is it's going to be, you know, because you're 120 days on the water for stuff coming from the Orient, from the day they cut a PO to the day it hits the dock. And then it's got to come across country. So that being right. said, you know, as a retailer, if you sell to a retailer, you're working six to nine months out for the big guys. So my right. point is, we're going to have trouble getting tennis balls come the end of this whole process. And I'd like the USTA and the USPTA to get involved to make sure we have if – we're out of ammunition if we don't have balls.
0: That's right. Now, I,
5: I – I'd like to see them put some pressure on these manufacturers that we do business with as a group and use our leverage to at least get supplies so we can teach.
0: Obviously. And, you know, hopefully the balls will be here. But you have to think exactly as you said, the Wuhan crisis was, what, eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago? And that yeah. just stopped on. on the water. So, you know, trade was stopped. So I'm worried about ball supplies. I, I, I haven't heard of any deficiencies yet, but I'm actually thinking it's going to happen. If it's happening on the rackets, which they've already talked about, it's going to have to happen yeah. little, they have a bigger ball inventory. There was some there was a woman that was about to speak. There's no forecasting
5: for the amount of balls that we're going to need as a group. everybody orders their own supplies as a you know you know the tennis tennis club, that tennis club, but as a group, we have no forecast on what our needs are for tennis balls for the next six months, so as a result, we're already behind the curve
0: that's right i, I I'm sure that the suppliers though have a curve. I'm sure they know what they've got going for the summer. they must put that yeah but.
5: What, what's going to happen is it's going to go to, they're going to ship to the big guys and everybody else is going to get whatever's left over. That's, That's the problem. That's and we're all very small operators, you know, it's a small tennis shop and you know, in the whole scheme of things you get lost in the shuffle. Dick's so is- unless someone with more clout steps in to get their attention, the, all the clubs individual are going to be in trouble. Who is there?
0: there was a woman about to speak. Who was that? Yeah, Ed, it it's
3: Carol McLennan. I, I actually okay. just opened an email. I was uh, doing some searching, and I have an email that came in at 1001 from Dan Santorum that the tennis industry, t- I'm going to read it, the Tennis Industry Task Force Right. has created the financial assistance document and, and he attached it. It's a link. I can actually email this to you if you want to send it out. It says, if you or your facility are in need of financial assistance, this is an excellent resource guide to help you during this challenging time. So they're working on it and I'll gladly um, forward this to
0: you. You're, yeah, but, but yeah, forward it to me and I'll forward it to everybody in the
6: group. Um. These are big. Hey, hey, Carol, that Carol, that was just sent out by the USTA, by USPTA, PTR, and TA. I'll send it out this morning. Um, oh, that would be and, great, uh, Doug. You, get, they, you get, they already did. It's I all. Do. So almost all of us should get it in one way, shape, or form. Um, and uh, but each the PTR, the PTA, and the uh, uh, USTA all have formed task force for, and uh, I was talking to them at length yesterday. And uh, the next step for me personally is I'm going to give a uh, seminar with a labor attorney and sometime early next week after the CARES Act has passed to try to get labor questions out there for people to know what to do uh, as much as we can tell them what to do. And I'm going to do that both the PTR and the PTA. So it's, if you want to, you can look for that next week sometime, probably Wednesday-ish, and um, hopefully I'll get some information out to pros. Cool. Okay,
0: that's great. Anybody else with any nitty gritty? I mean, the balls are not not nitty gritty, they're major, rackets are major. Um, You know, funding our 1099s is major. Any other ideas? I mean, thinking about your season, and if it's being truncated and shortened, how are you going to take up every weekend with an event? These are things we should be thinking about. How much open play is there going to be? I mean, your, your, your weekends are going to be chock full of events. If, if you're like me at a seasonal club, you've got your club championships, you've got your mixed doubles, you've got your, your matches, you've got your you know, men's matches, mixed matches, ladies' teams' matches. It's going to be truncated Your whole schedule is going to change. Have you started thinking about that? Remember, you've got an extra week in August. That's that's enormous. But any ideas on anything else? I'm happy to listen and help. And um, what's going on over there? Oh yeah, please share. I think I've covered everything I wanted to cover. Anybody else have anything else? Going once. Oh, going twice. All right, folks. Well, thanks for coming on and thanks for being a part of the discussion. Whoa. Do you postpone 2020 events for safety of members? I think that's a question we can't answer yet. It's still March. My, my events are more than 90 days away, but I think if you're in if you're if you've got a ladies team in fairfield county connecticut it starts end of april i think you're going to have to push it back or postpone but if you have a mixed doubles club championship as your first event july 15th i think you're okay for the month but that's day by day everybody have a great day keep a look at my website beyondthebaselines.com i'll put everything that we talked about up there on a page and I'll email you all with links I get out of this as well. Oh, Thank hi, Ed. Uh, Somebody was going to say something there.
4: Yeah, hi, Ed. Uh, Rick Fay from Madison, Connecticut. Um, hey, again, um, I while you were talking, uh, I just got off the phone with Mike Wilson, who's the Dunlop rep, and yep. spoke to him about the balls. Um, so he has not heard of any shortages. His balls actually come from the Philippines and in Indonesia from okay. Dunlop. Um, so anybody that's having a supply issue from those other companies, they should get in touch with Mike. If you're up here in new England, um, he, once again, he's the Dunlop rep for new England, but Dunlop as of right now, he said they're not, he has not heard anything of any shortages for tennis balls.
0: I I do think, you know, where they're made manufactured might have it, might have, uh, an effect, you know, Vietnam, I think is okay, but China's not right. Right. So the Philippines, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I'm not an expert on where the 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 virus is is an epicenter, but I haven't heard anything about the Philippines. So maybe that's that that shipping is fine. Yeah. Just know that a lot so much is made in China. I hedge my bets with balls. Yeah. I put I might put an order in with Dunlop.
4: <laughs> yeah, they're good balls too. The you know we we use them all the time here. So.
0: Do now. Here's another question. And Jen, I don't know if you're still on the call, Jen Gellhouse, but. Uh, Red, orange, green, yellow. Do they make all those, Dunlop? They do. Okay. Because those are going you know, to be uh, ordered, you know, if you haven't put your order in. The, that's part of it. almost everyone's program, I would hope.
4: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway, that's. I thought that was, uh, you know, something to add in case people are worrying about it.
0: Well, thank you for that. Thanks for the information. We're going to order Dunlop now. All right. It's nice meeting you. Nice talking to you. Hey, everyone. Any questions, please email me. And thank you so much for everyone's participation. It's been a wonderful uh, town hall. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, Ed. Bye.
0: Thanks, Ed. Take care, guys. All good. Hang in there. Stay healthy.
4: Thank you, Ed. Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye.